2020 has just wrapped up. I am Nick. Tony, what's going on? Yo, not much, man. I am locked and loaded for this full gear show. What a what a night. Uh, three hours and 45 minutes, and honestly, it was uh, not a whole lot of dull or bad moments in this. Really, I thought a goddamn really good pay-per-view. Yeah, no, I thought everything, even including the buy-in, was uh, pretty decent and pretty good. All the video packages were great. And, yeah, I mean, with the exception of, I think, maybe one match of, um, for me that was, um, you know, it was, it was a good match still. It wasn't bad. Uh, I thought every other match was pretty stellar, though. The, the um, In addition to, like, the buy-in and stuff, they had uh, kind of like the one-hour, you know, like... Uh, to sell a pay-per-view, where they broke down every feud and stuff like that and did, like, the packages for everything. And that reminded me a lot of, like, old-school pay-per-views from the 90s, uh, WCW and WWF, where you would, before the pay-per-view would come on, you would get the first, the hour before they had pre-shows and stuff like that. It would be a breakdown, and you get packages of everything just like this. So it had a nostalgic feel. Yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah, that was the red carpet, uh, you know, special... And then at, after, at 6 o'clock, and then at 7 o'clock began the buy-in. And, um, yeah, we were, this was like Super Bowl Sunday here. We, we've been in, watching this thing for uh, quite a while here. Um, yeah, the buy-in where we got Serena Deeb and... Um, Allison K. And Allison K for the NWA women's title. Really cool to see Allison K uh, on AEW programming. Yeah, it was really cool to see her on. I was hoping and rooting. I mean, we've seen Thunder Rosa on there before, another NWA alumni, so it was nice to see Allison Kay on there. And again, a nice to see an NWA championship match take place on another promotions pay-per-view. Yeah, weird stuff. Um, Obviously, another big inter-promotional thing will be happening. We'll be talking about it in a minute here. But uh, yeah, just a cool match. You know, two classic-style women's wrestlers. They can both work. Um, it kind of showed that the story was that Allison K though does have a little bit of an experience, at least on a big stage like this, whereas Serena Deep's just a natural and just, uh, you know, just really seemingly one of the best right now. Yeah, I hope this means that we'll see a little bit more Allison K in the future in AEW, because I'd like to see her. I mean, and, uh, after, uh. After we had after the finish of this match, which uh, Serena Deeb ends up uh, tapping out Allison K, we end up seeing a Thunder Rosa come out and kind of sizing up, you know, uh, Serena Deeb, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, so she's got a title defense against the NWA title. Go, it's time to take on defend against the you know the former champion that she beat for the title. Um, there was something I was gonna say. Oh, and Allison K. We're not sure about her. She's not signed to NWA, from what I believe right now. So she is a free agent. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Serena Deeb and uh, Thunder Rosa. 
Yeah, no, it was great, and it was a great buy-in. We had a Tony and Excalibur on commentary, and I thought the buy-in, uh, it moved fast, just like kind of everything tonight. Everything kind of had a really good, quick, snappy pace to it, uh, and that leads us into the uh, main show of Full Gear. And uh, on commentary for the main show, we had uh, Tony, JR, Excalibur. And then for, like, I think maybe the first match, maybe the first two matches, I think we it was had the first. special commentator, uh, Don Callis or Cyrus. Yeah, that was really awesome. One, because he's, like, one of the big wigs at Impact. So just another really cool crossover. So far, if you look at it, two major big wigs that two of major companies that should be their competition have been on AW Airways in the last couple months with uh, Billy Corrigan and now Don Callis. Anytime you put Don Callis on uh, commentary, I'm going to love it, man, because I go back to ECW. Joey Styles is great by himself, but sometimes like Shane Douglas was good with him at times. But man, Don Callis, I love the two of them together. I think Don Callis is amazing, and it was just good to hear his voice with Shivani and uh, Ross and Excalibur. Just all, it's just big cross-section of these announcers from all the, you know, the indie guy, Excalibur, you have, uh, who I'm starting to find out is a really major independent commentator over the last, or, you know, uh, over the last several, you know, decade or longer, probably, you know, closer to 20 years almost, so, uh, yeah, I really like that a lot. Yeah, no, it was great, and this is the first time I think I've ever seen uh, three promotions mingled into one pay-per-view yeah. before. And then also you have, you know, WCW legend Tony Schiavone, WWE legend Jim Ross, and then, you know, ECW, Impact, I think even worked, could be Ring of Honor or New Japan. MLW, I think. Yeah, MLW worked with, so I mean, you just have a good cross-section of announcers, different style announcers from over the years. Yep, no, it was great. It's like a dream team of uh, modern-day uh, commentators. You know. And speaking of dreams, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. Yep. Dream match. Yeah, we kick off the pay-per-view with our first match. This is, uh, if you guys remember, we had the eight-man uh, tag team tournament. And uh, Kenny Omega. Not tag, just eliminator. Oh, I'm sorry. The, yeah, the, the turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it's that. been a long night. It's all right. I did that three weeks ago. So, yeah, the uh, eight man tournament. And obviously, the winner of this um, uh, proceeds on and challenges John Moxley for the championship. This is the finals match of that. And we got Kenny Omega and Hangman. And I thought, honestly, best match of the night, in my opinion. This is the number one match. Both guys came out just fiercely, just intense and fast. And. The work was great. The story they told was riveting, and it was a very personal thing, uh, a very nice build that we've been working up to for a few months here. So I, I thought it was a great culmination. Yeah, the story kind of was both guys are, uh, neither one's going to, it's not like it's a personal feud where they hate each other at this point. It's that they want to beat each other, and they want to show each other up, but they don't They don't hate each other. They're not going to go to like that brutal level. So they kind of like, just got into different stages where they did different styles of wrestling, and it was basically like them trying to show each other up and show what they could tolerate. You know, kind of really back and forth the whole match until the end, really. I mean, it was just them going back and forth, showing how much they can handle and trying to outdo each other. And this was an awesome match. It continues the tradition of them starting off their pay-per-views with really strong matches. And, uh, this was a damn good one. I kind of want to look back. This might even be better if, you know, watching it back again because there's just so much of this. There's a lot in this pay-per-view that I actually like to watch again because 
there was some really good stuff, and this was a great match. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. I mean, they both looked great. Kenny Omega had the offense for some of the match, and then you had Paige coming back. A lot of uh, you know good exchanges and back and forths. And the one thing I noticed that I'm starting to see with AEW is that they they even though you may kick out of a finisher move or a signature move in the middle of the match. The, usually the finisher will end up finishing the match as well too so that's kind of cool as well you know i know there's some critics about people kicking out of finisher moves but at least they allow the finisher to actually finish the match in spite of maybe well, having some near falls previously tonight we definitely got that strong like they're doubling down on the idea of like and we saw in a few matches here that like yeah the finisher when hit can change everything it can uh and that's this match you know that's it came down to Kenny Omega finally you know Reversing things. Did he get a V trigger and then the one winged? But I know he definitely got the one winged angel. Yeah, yeah. He he ended up putting him away with the one winged angel. But there was a like there was a multitude of different types of uh, just reversals and back and forths leading up well, into that. They were crazy. totally back and forth even this the whole time. It oh, was yeah. just so it shows once Omega was able to get that advantage, that quick step, that one little mistake by Page, he hit that finisher, boom. Like, they could have gone back and forth for a while, but that finisher made the difference in this match. No, absolutely. I thought it was a good match. And uh, now with this win, Kenny Omega now proceeds on and gets a, a title shot against John Moxley. Uh, and then after that match, which was, again, a, just a firecracker, explosive match, we get actually a nice little kind of, like, break match, rest match uh, with John Silver versus Orange Cassidy. Just a fun little grudge match. And I had a great time with this. I thought the booking of these two guys together was a fantastic combination. Yeah, these are the kind of matches Orange Cassidy should be in. More mid-card stuff. But this was uh, this was really entertaining. I really was, um, I enjoyed this. John Silver is just, man, his strength is so crazy. When he picked up Orange Cassidy with one hand, held him there, and then threw him. Yep. That's freaking insane. I mean, Orange Cassidy's not skinny, but he's still way bigger than French Silver. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was fun. This was a good showcase on Orange Cassidy being a baby face versus a very uh, hammy and lovable heel, but a heel nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, I really like this. This is good. You go from Page and Omega, the next you got to kick it down in gear, but still keep it fun. You know, a lighter match, but where these guys are still going to go at a very strong pace. They're not going to, it's not going to be a slow match with rest holds. And it wasn't. It was a very strong, good pace. It was, did what it needed to do. It was fun. Yeah, I like how at the beginning of it, Silver uh, rips off Orange Cassidy's uh, pockets. <laughs> he, he disabled his uh, number one weapon. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. And then also, too, throughout the match, Silver just had just crazy kicks, just body kicks that he was yeah. putting on Cassidy. And it was really good, made it believable. And he, uh, even though Orange Cassidy has like that lazy style when he's getting brutalized and taking hits, it just it works really well with, with, uh, with registering with me, at least in terms of that. But uh, at the end of the day, Orange Cassidy ends up pulling out the beach break and ends up winning over uh, Silver. But again, a good little match and a good little way to kind of let off the gas after the first match. Another one where they were almost kind of even with the, the finisher made a big difference again, um, where him he, taking that moment to get it on. Uh, yeah, really good match. Made them both look good. It was a good uh, you know, first singles pay-per-view match for Silver. Good showing. But ultimately, you know, Orange Cassidy was the one that needed the win there. Is the one they're pushing, and it, it was a good match for Orange Cassidy. Good solid win. 
And then next we have the third match of the night, which is uh, Cody versus uh, Darby Allen for the TNT title. And uh, again, another good, solid match, I thought. Yeah, um, I'm trying to re remember some of the exact spots. There was a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I mean, Darby comes out on a car, smashes the windshield of the skateboard, walks up to the ring. A uh, cool entrance there. Um, it, Darby had his body painted as as well as his face. He had like weird forest things. Yeah, like on. a dead, like look like a, a mayhem album cover or something. Um, yeah, this was just you know I mean, Cody could have easily won this match a couple of times. His cockiness kept things going. He was showing Darby disrespect, but he was throwing him around a lot. But Gar Darby's just gonna take everything, you know. You throw at him, he's just you, it's hard to take him down. Uh, Darby even now the one Darby did get a coffin drop, but it was early yeah. in the match, so it really wasn't enough to take Cody down. But uh, yeah, this was this was really fun. Um, it was just a, a different kind of match too. This was more of like you know the style. Of this was a little it was more of like a guy beating the shit out of another guy, and another guy just refusing to give, and you know. And with this match too, I like is very unpredictable, and they're getting a lot better with AEW in terms of like not telegraphing the end of the match because there are some matches you can see from a mile away who's going to win. But at least with this one, it pulled you, it pulled me in, and immersed me in, and it got me to wonder: Is Darby going to win? Is Cody going to win? Who's going to win? So I think AEW is getting a lot better and smoother in their technique as well. And this match, I thought, kind of showed that showed that off and proved it. But it was, you know, good storytelling, good selling, um, you know, all around by both men. Uh, and at the end of the day, we get a crazy flourish of reversals between Cody and Darby. And uh, surprisingly, uh, Darby ends up winning and ends up getting the TNT title. Yeah, he's able to turn around the last. There's like four of them there. Cody was just. This is all Cody's fault. Cody didn't blame no one but himself. He fucked up. He fucked around. He sh shouldn't have even have underestimated Darby. He knows Darby can take him to the limit. Um, this is just some of that that they've been building into Cody's character. The, you know, the, these kind of flaws here, these mental flaws, where you even see Arn Anderson get, kind of getting frustrated with him. Yeah, absolutely. It's Cody's arrogant. But Oh yeah, no, go on. I'm sorry. Oh no, Cody's there. I mean, he's like he's he's healing it up. I'm just waiting for him to go heal. But great, Darby Allen's TNT champion, the first of the the AEW guys, the young AEW guys to win a title. So this is great. Cody talked about it in the promo, you know, like stepping up. Like this is you guys are sophomores now. It's time to fucking get these wins. There's no more excuses. And Darby did exactly that. Absolutely, and uh, as uh, at the end of the match, Cody, you know, kind of bends the knee to, to Darby and kind of passes the torch, and everything is, you know, uh, really good and really solemn. And then all of a sudden, Taz comes out with microphone in hand. Yeah, you know, I, hey, he promised there was going to be shit, and uh, he he delivered. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much he's, you know, calling out, uh, you know, Darby and calling out, you know, Cody um, and just, you know, just you know, making their presence known, which was cool. And, you know, Ricky came out with uh, Brian Cage and it was, uh, you know, a cool schmazz. I think they ended up brawling. Ricky Starks was total in total rock, the rock mode with his like suit that he was wearing Dude, and his shoes man, and everything. Sure. Like it was completely the rock in every way. And then uh, your buddy's making the save, though. Yep. 
No, absolutely, man. It's it's just it's good to see Starks out there, man. I can't wait till they push him to the moon. No, I meant later on when they're about to slam Darby's arm into the car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. M- motherfucking Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs comes out, saves the day, keeping that story uh, going. Long term storytelling, which they will make you know make a joke about later on tonight. And, and Hobbs still has not answered Taz back on if uh, Hobbs is going to join t- uh, Team Taz or not. They beat the shit out of him the other night on Dark, so I don't know if their relationship's all that great anymore. Well, I mean, unless he gives them an answer, I feel like they're going to be still the shit. still open-ended. That could be. AEW is kind of like that, actually. But I'm just glad to see Will Hobbs making an appearance on a pay-per-view, which is really cool. Because, you know, again, up until this point, he's really only kind of been on Dark for the most part. You know, maybe a dynamite here or there, but that's a couple. There isn't a man, though. I mean, they have only so much TV time. They take, you know, it's cool. You get people in slow increments. Uh, and then after this, we get uh, Dustin Rhodes with uh, QT Marshall, and they're uh, essentially just addressing, you know, Allie and the whole breakup with her and QT, and then... They end up uh, challenging uh, the Butcher and the Blade uh, uh, to, to a, a bunkhouse yeah, match. Yeah, a bunkhouse match. I think that went next week on Dynamite. Yeah, and it's based on the bunkhouse stampede of Dusty Rhodes uh, creation, where he basically, I think it was I think it was a cage match. And then we just all sorts of, you could bring whatever weapon or whatever you want. Guys would be wearing like their street clothes and shit. It wasn't even a cage match. I think it was just a regular ring, but like, yeah, you could bring whatever weapons you wanted with you. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be cool. That'll be a decent match. I can't wait for that. And then uh, after that, we get into the uh, fourth match of the night, which is our AEW Women's uh, uh, Championship match between Sheeta and Nyla Rose. And Nyla Rose has uh, Vicky Guerrero come out with her. Yeah, kind of a rough night for Nyla Rose. This was a good match, actually. It was totally fine, like... But I feel at times it went a little long when Nyla Rose got a little winded. This was not Nyla Rose's best performance I've seen. I think Sheeta carried a lot more of this and may have been one of Sheeta's better performance, although she's pretty solid. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're really big on Nyla Rose here at this point. I don't know what's going on with Nyla Rose. Uh, this definitely, she wasn't bad. It's not like there were any spots blown or things like that. Uh, it just seemed like you could kind of see like some of the weaknesses in her, why they're not going with, you know, going uh, with the, the, the pedal down with her. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Yeah, it just, it seems like she's been kind of out of the mix for a while, but I mean, yeah, in this match, I mean, Sheeta figuratively and literally carried the match because Sheeta was just manhandling Nyla Rose all around the ring, which is interesting because you, I think you even said at the end of this match that pretty much with... You know, she'd end up, you know, pulling out the win and just getting over so much on uh, Nyla. It's just uh, crazy just because is she powerful? Is she a beast now? Like, what's going on with her character? Nyla really did. I mean, she pretty much did kick the shit out of her most of this match. It wasn't really, it it wasn't a squash because it was just long and prolonged. But, I mean, yeah, she really had her way with her. And I... I don't know what's going on. Then they had Vicky Kruk about Guerrero yell at her and smack her. And, you know, the, the only time they really got, that Natalie even got any, um, got the edge was when Vicky hit her, Sheena in the, the leg. Yep. And they worked on the leg for a while and stuff like that. And that was good. But other, once Sheena got rolling from that again, Nyla had nothing. So uh, she's back to the drawing board. But Sheena looks really strong. And all they need is a good female heel for have a decently extended feud with and hopefully 
that person or doctor, should I say, is healthy enough to go with this. Because I think that's what they need now. They made Sheila, Sheila look like a million bucks. She destroyed the beast. Bring on, bring on Brit. It's, it's time for this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. She, she, Nala did not, even though she got smacked by Vicky, she didn't, like, attack her or anything. She kind of followed her. So we'll see where it goes with that. Yep. Uh, after that match, we get on to the fifth match of the night, which is... Oh, and uh, I'm sorry, Nyla also, give her points of her uh, in-ring gear, was modeled after classic-style mystique from the X-Men comics. Yeah, that was yeah, that was really cool. And then I think Ashida was even rocking some new uh, some new outfits tonight. Uh, then after that, we go into our fifth match, which is the Young Bucks versus FDR for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Yeah, this was this was awesome. At first, I was like, mm, I don't know if this is living up to what I thought. And then as it started cooking and cooking and cooking, and they got into it. And uh, the build-up to the hot tag with Nick, the whole belong build-up to where they just worked, Matt. Um, all of Dash's, or Cash, all of his shit, man, if you watch him, if anytime he's off screen, you don't see him for a second, he's going to pop up somewhere and cause trouble for the fucking, his, his opponents. I love that's why it's happened so many times tonight. And uh, we'll get into the end. Eventually, he actually kind of was the one, was a little too clever for his own good. But uh, Dash right away hurt himself with his hand. You had Matt sell it, Matt's problem with his ankle and then knee. And obviously, when you have any sort of injury like that, the revival's just going, I'm sorry, what you call it? Uh, FTR's going to go after you. There was actually a great where they went to do DIY Gargano and Champa's uh, finishing move. And they, Excalibur even called that out. That was pretty awesome. Morning. He actually yep. said DIY, which was pretty crazy. Um, this was great, though, man. Wow. I mean, can we see another? Can they outdo it? Maybe have the classic. Is this a, maybe the classic match everyone was expecting? Maybe not quite there, because I think the, the beginning was a little shaky. But goddamn, to the end and to the rolling and the fit and everything like that was amazing. Yeah, just the way they were uh, FTRs working on Matt's leg was great. Um, I really liked uh, just the back and forth between the two. You know, at, at first, you know, it was kind of a ground game with FTR, but then once Young Bucks and FTR both started kind of getting into the mix, it was real interesting, real fun, high energy. I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was great. Um, but, uh, you know, after everything's all said and done, Matt ends up, you know, Matt, uh, Matt Buck, uh, Ends up Matt Jackson ends up getting the win with a super kick and uh, and they end up retaining the championships but, winning or winning the sorry winning the championships and uh, yeah it was pretty awesome to see the 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 change I mean I kind of like FTR being the tag champs but we'll see what F, we'll see who uh, challenges the Young Bucks because now that kind of opens it up for a lot of other people too I love FTR they've been my favorite tag team since the first chop block on Chad Gable I believe is like in the American Alpha match in the Dusty Rhodes tournament. Back in NXT, fucking, I was so happy. I, as long as they're the champions, I'm totally cool with everything. But the Bucks needed this. This was what it was supposed to be. This was the Bucks night. Um, yeah, and this was great. The Bucks are now on top. They, they fulfilled their, their legacy. I think they need to heal up a little bit. But there's a whole new tag team division now because now it's the Bucks against all the challengers, and it's going to form around them. So uh, another great, I mean, we got two title changes here. Uh, tonight, so that's that's awesome. 
Absolutely. Um, and then after this match, we get the uh, sixth match of the night, which is Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in the uh, Elite Deletion. Yeah, we might disagree a little bit on this. I actually did like it. It was a fucking mess. It was a hot dumpster fire. But I've seen a few of these, most of them, and the WWE, I've seen the WWE ones. So this was definitely not bad compared to that. Oh, they called back to a lot of those too. There was a it showed that the wheelchair, the the wooden rocking wheelchair thing from the Bray Wyatt feud. There was throw, there was stuff from the Randy Orton feud. There was stuff from the original Ultimate Deletion matches. They threw so many Easter eggs in this, and uh, one of the craziest Easter eggs, Gangrel makes his first appearance on a major wrestling company, probably in like twenty five years. Uh, no, twenty. Uh, really crazy came also along with Shane Holmes. Tony, I know you think this was stupid, and there was, it was disjointed at times, but it was dumb, funny, violent, scary, off-putting, brutal, and it was a friggin' uh, broken match. I mean, it's kind of what, you're gonna get stupidity. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 for me, it wasn't wasn't my thing. But you know, I, I, I understand and get it, and then I kind of see how this was really kind of a capstone off to all the kind of delete matches that he's had and everything else. So I'm actually kind of curious to see where he goes from here after this, because this seemed like the definitive end uh, to all of it. Uh, and but it was, I did like. Here's the thing: I hated probably about the first seventy five percent of the match, but then once it was finally Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara battling alone inside of like a garage area, and then it just started getting like brutal. Like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna do it and go into it. Don't shoot each other with fireworks. Jump straight to the I'm yeah. beating the shit out of you and curb stomping you with a chair in your head and stuff like that. Because it, the way it was shot was good, where they didn't really have to take too much of a risk. Sammy Guevara did end up, you know, uh, getting up on like a seven, eight foot ladder above Matt Hardy as he was laying on a table and did like a, I think it was like a four fifty splash or shooting star press onto yeah. it and broke him through the table, and that was great. But then after it, Matt just lost his shit and just started kicking the shit out of Sammy. Sammy took a bump and was probably was bleeding from the back of his head already. Just yeah, taking, Sammy's a bloody mess. Just taking a cement bump, and then as he's laying on the ground, then uh, Matt cues up the chair and then just slams the chair down, and uh, you know, which looks like he just devastates uh, Sammy's head. But, uh, you know... Yeah, like I said, the, the, it was messy and it was very kind of a, a roundabout on how they got got there and got to the payoff, but I did enjoy the payoff. So. Yeah, it was the worst match of the night, definitely. Yeah, for sure. But there were so many good solid wrestling matches here tonight and so many different kinds of wrestling contests. And by the way, Sheeta and Nyla, did that end with Sheeta just kicking her in the head over and over, right? It Was that the match? Uh, she the Sheeta was? gave her four knees. Yeah, the knees, that's right. Yeah, yeah like... You had Brutal, you had wrestling, you had... There's all sorts of stuff, so this actually fits in it with this crazy goof, especially in 2020 where cinematic matches are kind of a thing. Um, and to pay off their feud, you know, you have uh, Sammy who starts off in a golf cart, his own golf cart. There's just so many touches and things. Uh, the, the, Matt throws a chair at Sammy's face at one point. They call back to everything. They call back to a lot of the Matt stuff. And all that's fun enough. I guess the nerd in me likes that. But yeah, I mean, there was parts of this that were a mess. And I can understand if you're saying there's a weak part in this pay-per-view, it was definitely that match. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But at the same token, though, I get you know, AEW tries to, you know, if you're going to be a good company and you're going to get a lot of people to watch your product, you got to have a little bit of something for everybody. And, and in the spirit of that, since it wasn't my thing, it still didn't take me out of the pay-per-view, nor did I enjoy the pay-per-view any less. It was, you know, a cool diversion. Hell, I got up, I got something to drink, I got a snack, so it was cool. I wasn't complaining at all. You know, it was... It was a good, uh, a good, you know, good segue into the next uh, match, and it didn't feel like it dragged the show down by any means. We needed almost a break of something with a little levity, with all the, like the other high kind of hard edge matches that were tonight. Yeah, I like the drama. It was good drama overall, a good like attitude and a uh, feeling. Gangrel, that's just great, and Hurricane Helms, but Gangrel, that's just clear. And Senior Benjamin made an appearance at the very end too. And then uh, for our seventh match of the night, we have uh, MJF versus Jericho. And, of course, if uh, MJF wins, he gets to join the inner circle. My favorite intro of the night, uh, you start off, you see the jacket with the glowing lights on the back. You're, like, doing the classic Jericho pose. Like, oh, wow, vintage Jericho. Like, fuck yeah. And then you just hear, I'm better than you. And you know it, and you realize it's actually MJF's robe. He turns around. Fucking awesome. I, I love that so much. That might be one of my favorite just entrances ever. Because it's just... It was so perfect to the point he's try, trying to make. He wants to be the next Jericho. Which is awesome. I like this match too. Because this match really displays what he, how heels work a crowd. How heels should work a crowd. Because literally the first third of this match was just the two guys in the ring just being assholes and just all... It was more bravado than wrestling. Yeah. Like, they didn't even, like, physically touch each other. They were just, just you know, uh, uh, you know, just stepping around the ring and just, you know, playing to the crowd. And there was a loud crowd tonight. There was about 1,000 people in attendance, and they sounded like 3,000 people because everybody was high energy, but just... You know, they just literally had the crowd in the palm of their hands. Ever since Jericho walked out, everyone's singing Judas. And then, you know, obviously with Jer- with uh, MJF's entrance, it was great. So, yeah, I mean, this was, a, this was definitely a fun match. And this is, like, my version of, like, levity and stuff like that that I like, you know. And, yeah. You know, if you're going to do it, do it like this and have just two asshole heels doing it. Because I like seeing these two guys clash because they're still different types of heels, which is nice. You have the cocky, arrogant heel in Jericho and then the, the really sniveling kind of chicken shit heel in MJF. Yeah, this is like your classic funny or le- more le- match with more levity, whereas the other is more uh, outlaw mud show, which they even, you know, Sammy's in mud at one point, they say it. But this is your different take on yeah, a match with a more levity, but this was... Uh, Fun. And it was a little slow at first because there was both, neither of them were in. But Jericho is so over as a babyface. I mean, the crowd was loving just being able to accept Jericho as a babyface finally and booing the shit out of MJF. Like, even though both of these guys are heels, in this match, it was a very clear babyface heel interaction, at least as far as the crowd was concerned. Absolutely. Um, and then out of this match, we end up getting, uh, surprisingly, M- MJF ends up winning with a quick roll-up, but it was a well, well-earned well roll-up, I will say. It wasn't like a cheap schoolboy. It was good. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, he did. He totally does an Eddie, Eddie Guerrero move. Um, okay, so I guess the sequence starts with Wardlow comes out to bring MJF the ring. He calls for Wardlow. Yeah. Uh, the dynamite ring. Yeah. And he's going to hit Jericho, Aubrey, Warlow's distracted Aubrey. Jericho grabs the bat. It grabs Boy. Floyd the bat. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then 
MJF pulls the Eddie Guerrero move where he fucking sees Aubrey turn around and he falls to the ground and pretends like he got hit with the bat. Just long enough for Aubrey to kind of yell at Jer- minus Jericho and Jericho to turn around and then MJF does the roll up. Oh, an amazing finish. So smart. I effing loved it. Um, he was so smart. And it's something that Jer- it's how you, if you're going to win your way into the inner circle, cheating like that, especially pulling out a page of Eddie. That's freaking awesome. Well, and also, see, the nice part about this is not only does MJF join the inner circle, but so does Wardlow. Yeah, they just got really, really strong. This is all going to end badly. That's going to be great. One of their members just was being shipped in a garbage can on a flatbed truck, presumably be drowned in a lake or buried somewhere, so they might need new members soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, we have to mention, at the end of the Matt Hardy match, the lethalation, uh, Sammy was put into a garbage can, loaded onto a pickup truck, driven by Senior Benjamin. So. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with uh, Sammy. And Ortiz and Santana are in the wood, lost in the woods too, probably. So Yeah, they're all lost in South Carolina. Um, but uh, after this, we get a really weird, just random teaser for Revolution, which I, I assume is going to be the next pay-per-view, and that's February 27th, 2021. Yeah, we got a little while for that one. Yeah, so just on the horizon out there. Uh, and then let's see, what else do we have here? Oh yeah, then we have like a exchange with, uh, let's see, uh, Miro and Kip and Penelope and, uh, Cassidy and the best friends. Uh, there's like a little exchange back there and just teasing more of that feud. Yeah. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing major, yeah, we'll just see. I think we might eventually see an intergender match with Penelope and, uh, Orange, but we'll see. Yeah, isn't it nice to see them make an appearance? Uh, we'll see what happens. I know I'm still waiting for the bachelor party, and I'm still waiting for the wedding. So. Yeah, they're taking their time with that. We'll, we'll see. And then uh, we get our eighth match. Now, the reason why I've been uh, calling out the matches by numbers is because, honestly, I feel eight matches and the way that this show was paced is probably one of the best pay-per-views pacing-wise. It wasn't too long. The pacing was great. Every match meant something. Every match was entertaining, with the exception of one or two, but hey, who cares? This was still pretty much an A-plus pay-per-view, but eight matches I think is great. Once you start getting into ten matches... And more, you start eliminating enough time for people to be able to tell right. a story. You would even do it less than that, make the match a little longer. But I think yeah. all of these... Seven even, you know. None of these matches went too long at all. They all felt like the right amount of time. Um, you could say maybe the second half, I was a little worried that I was like, we were going to get out of it because of like the lighter nature of some of the matches in the second half were following some of the really strong performances, but they actually worked out really well, and it flowed. And then you knew, you know, the last two matches were a little lighter. You're going to have a little bit more goofy stuff, but you knew you were going to get a war in this last match, too. So it was good. Yeah, the pacing of this, the way it was all put together, the way it flowed, three hours and 45 minutes, uh, you said eight matches. Is that including the pre-show? Uh, let me see. I don't believe so. Okay. No. Yeah, so that's just, all. Yeah, that's straight from Kenny Omega and Hangman. So, so I yeah. mean, yeah, just a really good job. This is probably one of their best booked. I mean, this might be all the way through their best pay per view. Some may have higher moments. They have higher peaks and maybe lower valleys. Yeah, but consistently, this was just good. a steady straight through. Just pretty excellent all the way through. You know, I agree, and our, our, we're, we're left with our main event, our nice uh, blood feud grudge match. Not really a grudge match, it's an AEW championship match. It's an I Quit match between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's, when it gets to an I Quit match, it's a grudge match. Yeah. Um, Eddie Kingston, you know, both of these guys have sold this through their words. And their first match was actually excellent, but uh, I didn't want this match. I didn't care about this match. Now I'm here just hoping, just even though I love Moxley, just like thinking how awesome be Eddie Kingston won. But um, what a great match. I mean, this is, they were more on the hardcore edge of this match, which I think was the right, obvious way to take it when you're doing an I quit match. Um, barbed wire bats, a lot of brutal stuff. Uh, the one scene, uh, what, my favorite part of the match is probably when Kingston uh, wraps a barbed wire around his hand to hit Moxley, and it's hurting him. But he doesn't care because he just, he just wants to hurt Moxie. It doesn't matter if he hurts himself. And there's a couple spots there where he sacrifices pain to himself just to inflict more on Moxley. That's just amazing shit. That's why people love Eddie Kingston because he's so real. Yeah, I like this match. It was good. It was personal. They had everything. You know, they brawled outside the ring. There was tables. There was thumbtacks. There was chairs. There was all types of stuff. It was great. It was a good hodgepodge of stuff. Although I will say this, though. I, did, I want to say... I like this match. It was good, but I want to see Moxley in different types of matches. Like, I want to see Moxley in a cage match. I want to see Moxley doing something other than these, like, uh, brawling on the outside matches. Cause yeah, I, there's been a bit of those now at this point. It just It's not that I don't like those matches or I don't like Moxley in those matches, and I know that's kind of his forte, but it just it's, it's just getting a little bit too redundant. But that being said, this was still a really good match, a good personal match, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. Thought it was really good, um, and then for the um, for the finish of this, which I don't even know if this is because I think Eddie Kingston's going to end up leveraging this in the future, but as he did with the uh, what was it the shit the casino battle, the battle royal. Royal. and then even saying that he never quit from getting choked out yeah, last. So, so Moxley was putting him in a submission hold, and I, it, Bryce Rensburg ends up ringing the bell, but it does to us it does not look like uh, Eddie Kingston said the words "I quit" definitively. So there might be some kind of uh, fuckery going on here because uh, Bryce Rensburg and Eddie Kingston also have history too, as well. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe we missed it. But it didn't appear to me that he said I quit. Maybe he uh, said I, it's so low as a whisper. But I yeah, the idea that Bryce Rensburg may just shut up because he didn't want to see Eddie get you know like a pity more damage thing, yeah. or anything like that. But at the end of the day, you gotta say I quit. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to watch it again. Maybe we just missed it. He's maybe he said it. Barely, maybe barely whispered it with his mouth, oh, you know. Or maybe the cameraman missed it because they have a habit of doing that sometimes. Yeah, there were a couple little weird spots tonight where the cameraman. Uh, well, and the commentary, like the the audio sucked too, because the commentary just kept getting drowned out by everybody's theme music. The audio was shit. Tonight. Yeah, again, yeah. It, this was back to like the real shit AEW audio days at the very beginning. They need to, yeah, whatever they were doing, fix it. Yep. But uh, that being said, though, I think this was a phenomenal pay-per-view, and I can't wait to see how many pay-per-view buys this gets and how successful it is compared to everything else in the past. Yeah, we'll see. I think uh, I think there was a good build to it going in, and I think this word of mouth will come as people may watch it a little bit later tonight or tomorrow, too. Um, I would definitely suggest watching this. I think this was a just... A great pay per view. This was definitely what you want out of AEW. There was a little bit for a little bit of everything, but everything was 
most of the matches were serious, and there was some really good contests, and they felt like real good battles between the people. Even the, honestly, the ones that were, the matches that were later, was still brutal contests. You know, Jericho, MJF, and, uh, and then, you know, you're talking about a hardcore match at someone's compound and shit, like, that was fucking brutal. So, uh, yeah, but, definitely check this one out. This is a hell of a pay-per-view. Yep, we had some you know title changes, and a lot of the matches weren't expected. A lot of the outcomes were not really you know telegraphed; they were well hidden. So yeah, it was it was a really good time. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, and we can't wait to you know can't wait to see what they end up pulling out for the for their follow up show for Dynamite next week. Yeah, we Dynamite next week, and then Tuesday. I know you're excited. Oh yeah, we're gonna find out information about the the AEW video game. Hopefully, yep. Hopefully, it's called AEW Games 1.0. It's on Tuesday at six o'clock, so it's gonna show up, I assume, before uh, AEW Dark at seven. And uh, it's hopefully everybody on the internet is buzzing and, and foaming because we're pretty sure that this is going to be the reveal of the AEW video game. But, you know, we'll, we'll find out Tuesday. So I'll, I'll jump on for a couple minutes and I'll give my thoughts and ideas on it because I am the resident game nerd here uh, in, in uh, Tougher in Cleveland. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get at it next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get his thoughts on that um, at some point. Also, I will just be me on next week's yep. episode. Uh, Tony will be incapacitated. Yep, I have to. I'm going to go make the pilgrimage to IKEA and uh, battle all of the crazy Trump supporters in Columbus. So we'll see what happens. I told you, it's they Biden won I the know. Columbus that that county. I know. I know. Come on, I know. give us a little. I know the Ohio mainly it's, went red, but all of our actual cities. It's the state government. That's what it is. That's why I always assume Columbus is is red because of our government. But anyway, that's state politics. That's, they're great that's a people. Podcast. They're Ohioans, and now you <laughs> They're not even dealing with the Ohioans. What are they in IKEA? They're like Dutch or something, aren't they? Uh, yeah. 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 They're like Scandinavian. Some sort of Scandinavian, Norwegian, something like that. Yeah, Norwegian. There you go. That's all right. Norwegian. Yeah. All right, so I'll see you next week. Tough scene, Cleveland. Take care. So many of stone and I will try